Welcome to Studio Berlin, our current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin. I'm your host, Sylvia Cunningham. Do children in Germany deserve more of a say? Should the voting age here be dropped to 14? These ideas are being discussed in Germany as criticism mounts over the way society treats its younger members. A recent survey by the children's charity Deutsches Kinderhilfswerk, or the German Children's Fund, found a majority believe that children's interests have been neglected during the coronavirus pandemic. Children who spoke to KCRW Berlin earlier this year felt that way too. I don't want to go to school. I'm very worried about it. If there's still corona out there, then I really feel like reopening schools would be a bad idea. We didn't feel like our situation was being taken serious or heard by those making the decisions. Today on Studio Berlin, we'll explore whether children should be given more rights in Germany. My first guest is Nina Ohlmeyer from the German Children's Fund. She joins me over the phone. Hi, Nina. Welcome. Hi. So starting off, how much face-to-face or virtual contact have you had with children since the pandemic? And what are they telling you? Well, we have a children's council um, as NGO, which is composed of 14 young people from all over Germany, and they advise us in our work and projects or on important measures. And we heard from them that, well, home learning has been a real, real challenge, and that mainly because of a lack of infrastructure as well as competences of the teaching staff. And because of this put a lot of strains on the families because all parents had to do what normally teachers do in schools um, and to help their, their children learning. And um, also what, what they told us is that socially disadvantaged classmates, for example, they suffered the most. Their parents could often not help them. They have a poor housing situation. The school lunch is often the only warm meal they eat per day. And at some points during the lockdown here in in Berlin, but also in the rest of Germany, even parks and playgrounds have been closed. And that was a very difficult situation, especially for poor children. And um, last but not least, they were also afraid that older members of their families, for example, their grandparents, could get infected and die or that parents lose their job because young people are very sensitive to what happens around them. So they know what's going on. And we know also from representative studies that they didn't feel they were taken serious regarding their fears and that the discussion was mainly centered on children regarding their contagiousness, but not so much on their views and opinions and what they would recommend to do um, in that situation. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, in a sense, children have been the ones on the front lines. Back in the spring, they were the ones returning to school first uh, to take those very important abitur exams to get into university. Yeah, that's. they were mostly affected by the crisis and by the measures that were taken. So what we didn't understand as NGO that, I mean, is representing children's interests is why they were so poorly participating in the decision-making and the political decision-making and what was going on and that their view and their opinions were not playing a very big role in that whole discussion. If there's something to be learned from this, what would you do, what would your organization do differently going forward? How would you better take children's interests into consideration? Well, 
One thing that we think is very, very important is that unlike in many national constitutions in the German basic law, that it doesn't enshrine explicitly children's rights. So one thing that we think is very important is to anchor children's rights in the basic law in Germany, because that would significantly increase the visibility of children's rights, particularly and importantly in the justice system, but also in the public administration and when it comes to political decision making. And I think the corona crisis is a very good example showing that children's interests do not count enough. And thus, we also lack comprehensive and compulsory structures to make young people participate in political decision-making processes. And one important point would be, for example, to lower the voting age, which is at 18 at the moment, at the federal level here in Germany, and which should be, for example, at 16 is what we say, and then in the next step, maybe at 14. We've been told time and time again that this pandemic is not going away anytime soon. But there are things like socially distancing or wearing masks, which prevent people from seeing facial expressions, body language. And we can imagine this all has an impact on a child's development. So how are you studying that? And also, how are you figuring out ways to minimize the impact on children's development? One of the most important issues uh, that we're working on right now or that we're trying to lobby is to make sure that schools and kindergartens can stay open during autumn and winter. Because our poll clearly demonstrated the extensive impacts for children when we leave educational institutions closed for a longer period. And here we feel that the governments, I say governments because it's the federal level, but also the whole educational system lies in the responsibility of the lender. And we don't feel that there's a plan. We don't feel that during the summer a lot was done. For example, very basic things. One very important preventive measure is to is regular ventilation when it comes to COVID-19. Um, and in some buildings, in some schools, it's just not possible. <laughs> Are you seeing this in a sense as an opportunity? I mean, now that everyone is seeing that these problems exist um, and that children perhaps weren't taken into consideration, how much of this is an opportunity to make sure that that changes? Yeah, for, I mean, we hope that these issues that we're discussing now and that we are not just discussing during the crisis, but that have been issues for years when it comes, for example, to child poverty or when it comes to digitalization in the, in the ed education system. These are not new topics, but topics that we have been advocating, lobbying for during a long time. And we hope that now this becomes more visible and and is, becomes a more important issue. For example, digitalization is a good, uh, good example. There's a lot of money now spent. There's some focus on that subject, which has not been the case um, in, the, in the same extent before. And um, we hope the same, for example, when it comes to child poverty, because it's still not given the attention it deserves in Germany. And we need an overall strategy and action plan to fight poverty in Germany. And um, we hope that these issues will come up also during the election, the parliamentary election that will be held uh, next year. And one more thing, going back to the Children's and Youth Council, which you mentioned at the start of our conversation, that is 14 children and young people who advise you on your daily work. And we're going to actually hear from one of those young people next. But from your experience, do you find that children have the tools they need to confidently present what their concerns are? Uh, because it's, it's an interesting role reversal and maybe one we should see more often. Yeah, I mean... Children can have an opinion about many things. One 
I mean, good example is the Fridays for Future movement that we see at the moment. Children have a political opinion and often they present solutions to problems that we as adults have never been thought of and that can really help to make especially their lives and, and political decisions that concern them better. So um, they have to learn this, of course. What we are also advocating for is that um, in, at the early age, you know, for example, in kindergartens, already there are structures put in place which make children participate and make them understand that they have a say in things and when they see and learn that they can really make a difference by saying their opinion and that they are uh, taken serious by adults this is something that in the end comes naturally then but it needs structures so that these decisions can in the end also have an impact on political decisions or decisions that are taken in schools by teachers um, and so on. Nina Olmeyer is from the German Children's Charity, the Deutsches Kinderhilfswerk, or German Children's Fund. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Joining me next over the phone is Matilda Gross. She has been a member of that Children's Council we just mentioned for two and a half years now. She's 16 years old and attends school here in Berlin. Thanks for being on the show today, Matilda. Thank you. Starting out, what kind of challenges have you personally faced or maybe your friends faced since this uh, whole crisis began back in March? Well, I mean, I guess probably the biggest um, challenge was really educationally because it kind of took a lot of the Berlin schools, not by surprise, but we they just weren't prepared. Um, and so every class had different challenges. Every student had different classes. And so it really was a different workload for everyone. And for me, it was a very, very heavy workload. I was working from like eight in the morning to eight in the evening with barely any breaks to just keep up with the work. And that was really challenging, especially if you couldn't go outside and you couldn't do any of the things that usually relieve that kind of school pressure when you're like meeting friends or, or just having fun. (laughs) And that was emotionally very exhausting. Wow. Why were your days so long? Why was it that uh, amount of work? Well, it was, first of all, I had to completely readjust to the new formats. Um, At school, we were using different online alternatives. Also, the teachers had very different expectations of what the workloads were. I mean, it wasn't an eight-hour day every day, but Mm. um, it was also very different for my classmates. Some of my classmates had, like, almost no homework at all every day. So it really depended, but for me, it was just it was a challenge to readjust, and it was also just a lot of work from um, classes that gave a lot of work. And I'm also involved in very many extracurriculars, which of course also added on to the pressure and the time constraints. Aside from all of those school-related pressures, did you also have fears about the pandemic itself? I mean, about your health, your family's health? Yeah, of course, I was I was worried. While we were under complete lockdown and we weren't allowed to leave, I wasn't worried as much because it just didn't really seem that real and there was so so much information circling everywhere that I just didn't really know what to believe um I also like my little sister she was very scared because she didn't really know what information to trust and and of course my family we we took precautions we talked about it as a family but it was still very scary and it didn't really seem real how old is your sister she's 11 now okay And throughout the pandemic so far, do you feel your concerns have been taken into account and taken seriously by the people in charge, by officials? Um, Well, it really changed. Now, I think more so we just had like a second wave um, 
at my school and the 11th and 12th graders were under a new lockdown. Um, and I feel like the workload was a lot better. The teachers were more available. The school really adjusted and they also sent out surveys to students um, to ask what they could improve on. I think exactly that is so important when it comes to school and to children and, and to young people to really ask them their opinions. And that's also what the council stands for. Okay, so but being back in school this fall, you have noticed that there has been this different tone than uh, the one back in the spring when it was more crisis management. Yes, definitely. And in your role on the Children's and Youth Council at the Germans Children Fund, what are you advocating for specifically during this time? Well, pretty much the same things as, as otherwise as well. We really want children's voices to be heard more. We want to amplify the voices of those who aren't being heard. And we really want the children's rights to be in the Constitution, especially in times like these where not everyone has the same access to electronic media devices, to education, to money, to food. We really need these children to have their rights written in the German Constitution where they belong. And we'll actually be talking about that very issue, Germany's constitution, if it needs amending after the break. But what do you actually think or hope would change if children's rights were to be incorporated into the basic law? Well, we hope that um, the responsibility of parents and the state would become more clear and that it would be implemented in a more consistent way in both politics and society and also in places like schools and that the actions taken for children are really focused on the good of the child and not just the child's surrounding or the child's parents, because children are their own people. They need their own rights. They need their own framework. Um, and they also need to be uh, able to participate. And so if children's rights are disregarded and the children's rights are actually in the Constitution, children and parents together or even children themselves can step up and enforce them, which is extremely important. Earlier on the show, when we heard from Nina Olmeyer, she said that children often have solutions for problems that adults don't really think about. Um, and you're 16, your sister is 11. Do you find that that's even true, um, even with just that five-year age difference, that you and your sister have these different ideas? Definitely, yeah. She has very, uh, very interesting suggestions and solutions. And she's also... I think that people really underestimate how smart children are and how politically active, especially these days with climate change being such a big threat and people being able to have so much information readily available over social media. Um, I think that children are really as informed as ever and really also have their own opinions that need to be heard, especially in times of crisis. And this is kind of like the million dollar question, like if you can solve this question, you can solve the world's <laughs> problems. But do you feel that during the pandemic, uh, there was something that was just driving you crazy where you felt, you know, if you had the chance to weigh in on it, you would have an idea on how to fix it? I think that what was really disregarded during the pandemic was, of course, trying to get everything to work smoothly. That, of course, was a big focus, but it was less of a focus to see how children or people in general were doing emotionally, like their mental health, because so many people suffered physical or mental abuse at home. And so many people were also just extremely stressed by these circumstances. And there was very little done for um, kids, parents, anyone really to really be able to relieve the stress or be able to talk about it because everyone was so overwhelmed. So, of course, it's not a, um, an issue with an easy solution, but it's something that I think we need to work on. Matilda Gross is from the Children and Youth Council of the German Children's Fund. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. We are now taking a short break. When we come back, we are spelling out children's rights in Germany. 
what they are, and why some advocates say they are in need of protection. Stay with us. Do you hate Berliners who don't pick up after their dogs? Do you yell at people for wearing a mask or for not wearing one? Do you think Berlin should be a tech hub like San Francisco? I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and we'll tackle these difficult topics and more on KCRW Berlin's new talk show called Common Ground. Tune in Mondays at 10 a.m. and Saturdays at 4 p.m. on 104.1 FM, or subscribe to us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Studio Berlin. On today's show, we are hearing from children's advocates about the pandemic's impact on society's youngest members and how the crisis has renewed a debate about children's rights. For years now, advocates have said children's rights should be enshrined in Germany's constitution, arguing it would give the country's youth the say they deserve in their own fate. So on the second part of today's show, we're taking a look at what that would actually mean. Joining me on the phone is Dr. Stefan Gerbich. He is a research and policy advisor for the German Institute for Human Rights. Welcome and uh, thank you for joining me. Hi, good morning. Can you walk us through what rights children currently have in Germany? So if you want to talk about rights in general, it is, from my point of view, very important to take a look in the Constitution. And the German Constitution, it barely speaks for children. It contains rights and obligations for parents Yet, it does not explicitly contain children's rights. Nevertheless, we can refer to some rulings of the Federal Constitutional Court. And according to these rulings, all fundamental rights contained in the Constitution are also applicable for children. Besides, in Germany, the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child is legally binding and direct applicable. And so, therefore, all rights contained in the Convention of the United Nations are rights on which children in Germany can actually refer to from a legally standard. We usually put them into three different kinds of categories, protection rights, provision rights, and participation rights. Okay, so those three Ps you mentioned, um, can we break those down briefly, what those actually mean? All right, uh, some examples. So protection rights is uh, classically the rights um, freedom from violence, but the state must take actions to prevent that uh, children can take harm. Provision rights are typically rights which demand the state to take action to fulfill some, some obligations like the access to education, the access to health service, and participation rights. This is some of the core of the convention is the right to be heard and to be taking their views into due account by anything the state does is affecting children. So these three categories you mentioned, children in Germany technically have these rights. They have it, but only by the reference to the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. These rights are not contained in the German Constitution. Do you have a sense of how many children even know this, or I guess even how many parents know this? Um, so there's current research which indicates that only 10% of the children have already heard about the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. And this is not also true to children, but also to some um, relevant professionals who are working with children. So there's also evidence that, for example, judges who might decide about children do not know the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. 
How would children's lives change if these rights were to be enshrined into Germany's basic law? Well, uh, answering this question, I think it is necessary to put the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child again into the national context. So it is, of course, legally binding. But the key question is, if the convention is widely unknown, how can the legal obligations be implemented? And this is the situation where this constitution comes into play. So let's just imagine there are especially two basic principles of the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. One is that the best interest of the child must be taken as a primary consideration. And two, that the child has the right to be heard in any cases, in any, anything what the state does is affecting the child. And let's just imagine that both principles would be incorporated in the German constitution, then we would have a pretty easy side effect that everybody has to deal with the German constitution in the school education, in vocational education, and university education. So the consequence of the enshrinement of children's rights into the constitution would simply be that everybody would know children's rights because everybody knows and has to deal with the German constitution. With regards to the UN Convention, to get the, the kind of the scope of it, how many other countries have ratified this? To take a general look on the importance of the UN Convention, then we can say every state besides the USA has ratified the UN Convention. If we take a look on how states, especially states in Europe, try to implement the basic principles of the UN Convention into the national constitution, then we have a different perspective because there are many states even in Europe who do not mention children's rights in their constitutions and I think the constitution of Finland is a good example for a constitution which explicitly recognizes children as individual rights holder and this is the main aim of the UN Convention. Can you walk me through a specific example, maybe even taking Finland as one, um, what that means when a child is an individual rights holder? I mean, is that in reference to their education, their right to make choices about their body or health? How does that work in practice? Well, the the most important uh, issue is uh, if you accept children as individual rights holders, then you cannot make only decisions over children, but you have to make decisions with children. So the difference between children as individual rights holders and children only as object of care lies especially in the right of participation. And this is the new element which is constituted by the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child, that a child has, according to Article 12 of the Convention, the right to be heard. In any cases, the state does something which is affecting him. And the consequences of this right to be heard apply to all cases. Earlier in the show, we talked about a recent survey and how a majority of Germans said that they feel children's interests have been ignored during the pandemic. What do you think about that? Do you think that they have been ignored? Um, I do partially. And I think this is especially true to the rights of the children to be heard and the views to be taken into due account, which is, I like to remind this, a legally binding obligation, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. Then we can ask, what did the government do to give children the chance to be heard? Because um, up to this day, we have many important discussions which highly affect the life of millions of children. 
For example, the current discussion whether pupils need to wear masks during their classes. This is a very, very complicated legal question. And in Germany, different regional governments found totally different solutions on this matter. But let's ask what government tried to give the pupils themselves a voice or at least discussed this, this problem with existing student councils. I think when we speak about the implementation of the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child during the pandemic, we can actually identify a lack of implementation with reference to the right to be heard of children, because this is a situation where only um, made above children, but not with children. Just to take the masks as an example, what if you have children who argue, you know, masks make it difficult to, for me to understand my teacher, for my teacher to understand me, they're also uncomfortable. How do you balance that? Um, and kind of what is the hierarchy if some children are saying that, but then health officials are saying, you know, this is our number one weapon to combat the coronavirus. So tough. This is how it is. You already mentioned the most important issue. It's all about balancing. So um, because it's all about balancing, you always have to look at the individual case. And from my point of view and from a solid human rights-based approach, there cannot be a hierarchy which is uh, abstract. So it is important to view at the individual case. Some might say that masks are only uncomfortable. Well, this is a legitimate reason, but um, you've got to ask whether the uncomfortability is enough on the question on balancing the issues and to justify the children need not to wear masks. Last question. In Berlin, in the early months of the pandemic, some students who were taking their Abitur exams tried to petition the state government to postpone them. And part of their argument was uh, that it was unfair to more disadvantaged students who might not have access to the Internet or who were struggling to keep up with the schoolwork while at home. But in the end, they were rebuffed by politicians and the courts, and so the exams went on. If children's rights were to be enshrined in the Constitution— how do you imagine this situation would play out differently? Would they hire lawyers? Because, I mean, when an adult says no and you're a child, where do you go from there? What is the next step? Because of the lack of um, child-friendly complaint procedures in Germany, we have the situation that um, when children are confronted with a state decision they don't agree with, they only can challenge this uh, decision during the court. And, of course, we got to ask, how child-friendly are German courts? This is a discussion um, often problematic because it is um, what kind of support can the local court give children so that they can enter or have access to, to the court? What kind of information is provided so that um, children actually know that they can go to a court and challenge um, different state decisions? But Let's just imagine that children's rights would be enshrined into the German constitution. Of course, the legal enforcement by using the courts is the, the, the most important instrument. And I'd say it's pretty obvious that there, there might be decisions or that some German provisions in uh, German ordinary laws that might be reconsidered in the light of the best interest of the child as a primary consideration if this provision would be part of the Constitution. Dr. Stefan Gerbeck is a researcher and policy advisor for the German Institute for Human Rights. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your question.
And that does it for us today on Studio Berlin. Remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, please be sure to subscribe and drop a review as well. I'm Sylvia Cunningham. Have a good week. 